Welcome to the Victory edition of the Pewter Report Podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger from PewterReport.com. With me to start this podcast off, all the Pewter Reporters will roll through here as we always do on a post-game podcast to kick things off. The one um, with me to start this podcast, Sarah, is on the show as well. Man, I'm excited to see you on the show to kick things off with me. It was a really depressing victory, which is, I guess, the way you want it to look, right? I mean, I'd rather have that the other way around. I guess depressing would be one way to describe it, but the way that game ended, the final five or so minutes with Brady getting the ball and, you know, with about four minutes left driving down the field, were they going to score a touchdown? Were they going to get in field goal range? Because we know Ryan suck up, suck up doesn't have the strongest legs, so they still needed, I thought at the point too, that they need to get down the field a little bit further than where they lined up and he hit it. And then that finish at the end with the field goal going off the post, I mean, the adrenaline I don't think has worn off yet for me. I mean, it was a thrilling game. Everyone was on the edge of their seats. So much went down. Yeah, it was disappointing. It was sloppy. The Bucks could be so much better. But a win is a win is a win, and you got to take it. And I'm sure everyone's happy that the Bucs are three and one. I'm happy. I'm happy that the I hate individualizing sports. People know that. Uh, they've yeah. heard me rant about this before. I love Bruce Arians' rant after the game. I'm happy that the whole Brady versus Belichick ridiculousness is over. I get it. I'm not saying I don't understand where it comes from. I get it completely. I understand the history there. But I love way more when it's team-focused uh, stuff. Yeah. And so I'm happy to move on from this one. I think I speak for a lot of Bucks fans when I say that, like, just getting this game done with feels like a really, it's such a big deal to people in New England, Boston area. I feel like I think for Bucks fans, it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is like crazy amount of drama over this. And it's just like, how, how, how do we move past it? And to be able to do that, getting a victory, I think is, is big for this team. Um, it was pretty pathetic all night, <laughs> both sides of the ball. Um, obviously defensively in the secondary, you know, I'm not going to be too critical because I actually felt like, you know, those guys did the biggest thing. Let's start with defense, Matt. The, sure. the biggest thing those guys did was they kept everything in front of them. And and you can say what you want about you know the secondary hurting and the way that it did, but honestly, man, I think they did fine. You know, I really do. I mean, Richard Sherman, you give up some in breakers. It's tough, man. You're going to give up something at times, especially when they're blitzing in the middle of the field's open. You're not getting any help kind of underneath. So there's a lot of easy throws um, right down the pipe for for Mac Jones. Um, I am so confused by those who come out of this game like singing mac jones praises i'm not saying he was bad mm-hmm. but i mean come on like what can you name one tough throw he made in that entire game no, i saw people was, saying uh, i saw sorry, people saying oh if, if you're the jets you should be like depressed about this game because the tom brady looked great and and mac jones looked like the best rookie quarterback i was like Zach Wilson made like four plays today. That First Matt of all, Jones did you see Zach Wilson chucking the ball down the field today? That's all I'll say about the Jets because we're here to talk I, about the box. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, going going into the game, or at least the, the first half, it, it was clear that the Patriots were going to pick uh, on Richard Sherman, and rightfully so. He practiced on Wednesday. He only had three practices with the team, and we all know Friday's more of a – a general walkthrough as it is. So they picked on Richard Sherman, but yeah, there was no plays down the field. I mean, the biggest play that the Patriots had was the pass interference on Jordan Whitehead on that yeah. final drive. That and the, and the Jacoby Myers pass. 
Yeah, that. Yeah, that one. Right. Well, the, the the Patriots had to go to trickery just in order to yeah. start making plays down the field. That's essentially what it came down to. I thought with all the injuries that happened and. Whew, it looks like the Bucs are in a world of hurt in the secondary oh moving forward. That that Carlton Davis injury did not look good. I, I'm not a yeah. doctor, but it, it looks like he might be out for a while. Who knows? I mean, we, yeah. we'll obviously get a report and everything. But with the, the players they had, they, as you said, they kept everything in front of them. The pass rush was much better tonight. They had, uh, what, three sacks in the game, four sacks in the game. Uh, Joe Tryon-Tranka Joe had two. Um, obviously he stepped up, which was great. It, it was much more encouraging from the pass rush at the end though. They, they were sending blitzes every single mm -hmm. time they weren't getting home. I was getting a little worried about that, but ultimately, and if you would have said before the game, the bucks were only going to allow 17 points. I think everyone would have signed up for that. It's true. Yeah. I mean, what did I say? What was my prediction again? It was like 20, 24, 13, I think I said. So, I mean, it was maybe a little more than I expected even, but hard you didn't anticipate all the injuries when i said that it was before we knew dean was going to be out but yeah either way i mean it was kind of when you were white knuckling it the whole time even though the yeah, defense yeah. did really kind of played there but and obviously offensively they faced a team that was much worse and a quarterback that was much worse than the others that they faced this season but they played really their best game of the year pressure got home and they made some things happen um tony says good john gonna be livid that lenny played well <laughs> <laughs> i know tony's just kidding but that's funny. No, I've really pumped for Leonard for that man. Thought he yeah, had a great, 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 important game. No mistakes. That was big. Um, yeah, really excited for him. I know we're talking about Bucks defense right now, but I wanted to use that to transition to Jack St. John. Well, he prays on JTS. He's looking good. He's looking great, Matt Matera. Oh, yeah. It was awesome to see him out in this game. I think he's going to be a difference maker. Two sacks, the first two of his career. Got one, what, on the first drive was a huge one. They picked up a couple first downs. Yeah. Patriots had and try and shrink and knock some out of field goings. That was it. And a couple other rushes that he went on that pressures. He was their best pass rusher all night. He's already, I think, the best pass rusher on this team. I kind of said that before his first start. I think the last two games, he's been their best pass rusher. And I, I know Jason Pierre Paul is probably back next week. You've got to figure out a way to keep playing Joe Try and Shrink. Uh, it's a tough situation this year. I get it. But that guy cannot be on the bench. He is really good. And especially if you're going to get pressure with four, he's got to play. No, you're absolutely right. He was hands down their best pass rusher. I loved his second sack, too. Now, granted, a lot of that was Vita Vea just trucking his way through two offensive linemen. But a lot of sacks now, no one can hit the quarterback anymore. There's all these stupid penalties. But he drilled Mac Jones on that penalty, I mean, on that on that sack. I was almost yeah. worried, like, oh, did he hit him in the head? But he was crouching down. <laughs> oh, oh, did he hit him too hard? Oh, there's I mean, a penalty. Honestly, that's seconds. what happens now in football. You hit someone a little too hard, and you're instantly like, oh, where's the penalty? Where's it coming? But, yeah, I thought JT I mean, on the Winfield pick, it was the same thing. The Winfield pick, I was like. Devin White's yeah. going to get a penalty for hitting him. Right, yeah. I thought JTS did a great job, too. As you said as well, sure, he had the two sacks, but there was a lot of pressures, too. He was, you know, uh, just a, a, a hand away from getting to Mac Jones, or you, you felt that Mac Jones could really feel the pressure from JTS, and he had to move around in the pocket more than he wanted to and and made him feel uncomfortable. I thought it was good for the, the Bucks overall. It looked a little bit like the defense last year where, sure, they'll let up some of the underneath things, but they made those splash plays. They had the interception. They had a huge, big-time force fumble by Antoine Winfield Jr. when it looked like the Patriots were heading down the field, were going to extend the lead they had. That was such, such a crucial 
turnover created by the Bucks in the biggest moment when they really needed it. It honestly reminded me again, Antoine Winfield Jr., that um, that playoff game against the Saints where that turned everything around. This didn't necessarily turn the game around because obviously it went yeah. back and forth. But that was a huge critical moment that I don't think can be overlooked in the magnitude of this game with the Bucks being able to pull this one off. Yeah, terrific point. I completely agree with you. Winfield changed this game, in my opinion, with those two plays. I uh, felt like I don't know how this one goes if he doesn't make those two plays. Uh, and then, of course, he gets a concussion and he's out through the rest of the game. And so we'll see what his status is because he's in the protocol now. I agree with you on Carlton Davis. I just guessing, just guessing, not a doctor. I think it's a season ender. I think it's a, I look like a serious quad injury. He's in agony, couldn't yeah. walk. They carried him off. They carted him to the locker room. You can see the aggravation on his face. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Sometimes you you just know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're wrong and it ends up being miraculously not that bad. But, and that's huge because I said this. I think he's their defensive MVP last season, Matt. Not necessarily their best player, but their MVP in terms of can you imagine if they had had to play many games without him last year, the way Sean Murphy, Bud Dick, and Javel Dean played in the regular season? Now, those two guys are hurt. You know, Dean. You hope he's back this upcoming week, but Richard Sherman's still. been there less than a week, and he's the de facto leader of the secondary now. <laughs> he's the, <laughs> I mean, it's well, unbelievable that they signed him, though, right? Like that yeah. was when when they thought at that time Dean was going to play and Carlton Davis was going to be good to go as well, and that ends up being very fortuitous now that he's there because I think as he acclimates, things will get better for him for sure. Yeah, um, he wasn't out of position tonight as much as he was just beat a little bit a little bit slow getting back into the rhythm of things to read things and break on things pierre desir almost ended the game but essentially with a pick six late in the game yeah. uh, he actually i know he gave up a couple catches but he kept everything in front of him and he was right there to defend the, the last one and then picked almost picked off the third one gave up a catch on that too um so he i thought he actually played okay but that's going to be huge now matt because i i do think you're looking at probably a stretch run here without carlton davis we'll see about playoffs and things like that maybe but Sean Murphy Bunting probably going to miss uh, still several more weeks, I would guess. And um, we'll see about Dean and what his injury is, but he's hardly reliable when he comes back. So plenty of questions in the secondary. The good news is the slate of quarterbacks coming up. Not I know. Thank goodness they're playing Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins and the Dolphins next week because that, that yeah. can help a lot of things too. Just a quick comment on this year. Uh, he, he started with the Jets before, so if he does have to play in a, an extensive role, like that, I don't think it'll be a situation where uh, the moment's too big for him or anything like that because he does have a starter's experience. Obviously, he's not the ideal guy that you want in this situation, but you can only – this is the situation that the Bucks are in. So if the Seer has to be uh, maybe not a starter but a guy that plays a lot of snaps, uh, I'm confident that he can at least try to be efficient in that situation and, and won't right. struggle with having more snaps than usual. Yeah, for sure. Really appreciate this $10 super chat from Brian. Brian. Uh, Thanks for staying up and doing these things so late, guys. Appreciate you both. Appreciate you, Brian. Really appreciate these super chats, especially on the game day podcast. Really meaningful to us. And you guys throw that in there. That all goes back into the podcast. If you ever wonder, that's how we got cameras and ring lights and headsets and mics and all that stuff. We're doing live shows now out at Whiskey Wings. The pregame show is out there. That's all thanks to in part to the super chats. Whenever you send them our way, it goes right back into the show and in producing better and more content for y'all. So we really, really appreciate those for sure. A couple people have mentioned JC Allen crying, not on the show, but <laughs> Patriots fans. All I'm saying is when JC gets on this podcast later tonight, y'all better hammer him, hammer him in the chat, hammer him, go out because not only because he picked the Patriots on the pregame show, 
but because he picked the box earlier, so he was hedging big time, and I don't appreciate it. And you all better oh, get after him on the oh. podcast when he gets in here. Get some booze going in the chat. <laughs> when he gets you, eight no such thing as halfway crooks. Everyone a- <laughs> say it in the comments. It's a it's from eight That's mile. Right. It's a tribe called Quest, I believe, but um, it's also an eight mile. That's a big part of it. Yeah. I know. Paul said, John, as the game went on, I kept thinking about your prediction that, about this feeling like the Chicago game. Pretty accurate. Glad the Bucks pulled through. Yeah, this game almost went down like exactly how I kind of laid out that it was going to happen, right? Except even uglier, right? Like I was I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't think – I think it'll be a struggle. I think Belichick's going to muck things up. No way he gets blown out. Like, you know, people were – but this ended up being way closer than I thought it was going to be, way uglier than even I thought it was going to be. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that Bears game, man, it was like down to Pierre Desir almost picked six again. <laughs> Remember, Jamel Dean almost picked six on the last drive for Chicago in, in that game a year before. Uh, it was so eerily similar all the way. The red zone failures, the drop passes, the penalties, the injuries coming into the game, the injuries during the game. Remember, they lost Carlton last year. They lost Vea in that game. Yeah. It was so similar to me, Matt. I was like, Kind of freaking out a little bit how similar the games were and how similar the scripts were. Bucks finished this one. They did enough. Um, plenty of failures, especially offensively, that we'll talk to in a second here about in a second here. Defensively, though, if you're coming out with any positives from a game in which you lost Winfield and Davis, two of your best players, and you might have to go, you know, take on the Dolphins with all backups in the secondary except for Jordan Whitehead. Um, you know, you're probably looking at the pass rush, right? Shaq Barrett had a, a solid game, got a sack. Um, had a couple other opportunities for once, a couple other pressures. Joe Tryon Chuinka showed up, as we mentioned. Uh, interior guys, not totally disruptive. Uh, I, I still think it's hard when you're playing Anthony Nelson that much, but I know Tryon Chuinka is a rookie and he's still got to get his feet under him. But they just lose all effectiveness as a rush group when it's Rakeem Nunes Roaches and Anthony Nelson out there. You have to find some way, I think, to mix and match those units a little bit more so that you're not the, the B, the B group is just bad right now like when right and it, and it seems like every time anthony uh, i'm not anti anthony nelson but i just feel like every time he's on the field the the offense the opposing offense ends up scoring a touchdown on that drive i believe i i, I gotta go back and look at the tape but it looked like nelson was on the field for at least one of those touchdown scoring drives for the patriots i mean nachos in there to stop the run we all know, know that he's he's not much of a a pass rusher uh, it would be great if JPP can come back and they could slide him inside. And obviously, you got to get to those third and long situations. But um, overall, I thought it was en- encouraging that they got to the quarterback more than often. And I think as the season goes along, too, I, I know we look at everything in a microcosm and look at everything on a case by case basis. But I also think you, you talked about the Chicago game. That's where it took a while for the Bucs to get everything, you know, full circle. But at least what they started with after that game was eliminating the penalties. And I'm not yeah. saying that they're going to start eliminating the penalties in this game, but I'm sure that'll be something that Bruce Arians really hones in on, whether it's, uh, you know, red zone efficiency or maybe it's penalties or something like that. You're going to see the Bucs turn a corner in, in certain situations, whether it's, it's the defense getting third down stops or, you know, the offense converting on right. second and short and not getting to that third and short. And running the ball on third down because third and short is a rundown, as as Scott Reynolds says. So I, I yeah. do think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of game, a lot of things that they take away from this game that they're going to put an emphasis on moving forward, regardless if if the secondary is beat up. 
So um, yeah. while, while it was ugly, I, I think, I don't know, I'm still confident in this team. They have a lot of stuff that they can oh, sure. be better with. And also, my apologies, it was uh, Mob Deep that did Shook Ones. My apologies. Mob Deep, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree with you, though. Outlook for the team, to me, doesn't change necessarily, other than the injuries. That's what you got to gauge. And defensively, I'm not sure what the ceiling is. It's, it could get ugly. Like I said, they do face – a. It, the schedule gets a lot weaker, no question. But even some of those guys, just Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields played all right today. Um, they're probably going to be kind of all over the map all season. So do you catch them on a hot game or not, especially if you're giving up lots of easy throws? I mean, Mac Jones had 19 straight completions at some point tonight. I, I just completely – I stand completely by the fact that I think he did absolutely nothing special at all in this game. Yeah. And I just get up like – I mean, it is what it is in terms of the completions, but that's been the thing with the Bucks defense. Like they've allowed a ridiculously high completion percentage. Um, they did all year last year, and they still won the Super Bowl, so I guess it, it worked well enough. But – they really won by changing what they did when it came to playoff time. And so I think that was a, a big part of this for sure. But Joey says, John, that AB touchdown drop had me in disbelief. Yeah, we've got to get to that. We're going to get to that later in the show. That was an unreal moment amidst a game full of unreal moments to me by Buck skill players. Jack Wright, is CD3 always a gunner? Uh, seems annoying to get the bad injury on special teams. Yeah, I mean, I can't be too critical of this. Like they, Yeah, because the Patriots had the their – the Patriots had their offense on the field and then they did the whole thing where they all run off and yeah. the, the punt team comes and then they on. delay so. a game. And I guess, but I think they still right. felt like the like Bruce Aaron said after the game, I don't know if it's something they saw or tell or something they picked up on film. I don't know, but they felt like they could be a fake situation for New England. Like they were going to run a fake maybe in that spot near midfield. And so they kept their defense out there in that situation. So also gunners, he would have been a vice, not a gunner in that situation because the box were returning a punt, but um, yeah. But yeah, he was just, so that was just the situation. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, that's hard for me to be, get angry with coaches for that because I mean, you got to, they know that stuff and I wasn't looking for that stuff. So I mean, I, I don't know uh, whether that was the right call or not. But either way, I mean, it's a freak injury. It's a non contact thing. It's, you know, it's not like it was one hit that did it. I mean, there could have been yeah. an injury. I mean, he's just literally running, not even at full speed, and it happened. Yeah. So he it was, it could have happened probably an injury that was, just... yeah, probably an injury that was getting close to happening anyway, maybe um, at that point. So um, defensively, just sticking there for a minute. We're going to bring Scott Reynolds in here for a second. Yeah, Devin White whiffed on two sacks, dropped the pick six. The pick six was a little bit behind him, actually. If that had been a good – that had been a – It was a better throw than that throw. Yes, <laughs> he probably would have picked it. Um, it was – it ended up being behind. He had jumped it early, if anything. Yeah, White jumped it a little bit early. I do am getting to the point where I'm just very frustrated. Levante David overran a sack too, I think, in this game. Yeah. But, uh, that's highly unusual. You almost never see Levante David overrun a, a tackle. Um, but Devin White is just out of control. Like, I don't know what's – they just – I don't know what they, how they calm him down and get him to stop running past people, but it's just crazy. You would think the rain would have slowed him down a little bit. Oh, my word. I mean, not, he Not is, really the case. He is absolutely a local runaway locomotive uh, for most of these games this season. And it's been, yeah, he keeps missing sacks. He's got plenty of opportunities in this one, uh, but didn't finish the the job. So uh, we got to get to the officials. We got to get to a lot of things. Let's look at the stats here uh, as we get ready to bring Scott in here uh, for the, for the post game podcast, Tom Brady, 22 of 43 for 269 yards, a couple of drops in there. Obviously the drop touchdown, but Antonio Brown at the end dropped by Cam Braid over the middle. Uh, drop by uh, Mike Evans down near the red zone. That was a killer early in the game. Uh, Leonard Fournette, terrific game from Leonard Fournette because it was not only was it good in terms of production, 
but it was mistake free too. And that's what you need from him. That's something he's really been unable to give the Bucks most of the times he suited up for them. So the fact that he was able to give them this in a game where everybody else kind of struggled with mistakes or a lot of people did um, really feels like they came away with a huge performance from him because he's good in pass protection too. And that's been really big as improvements there. 91 rushing yards, 47 receiving yards. Mike Evans, seven catches, 75 yards. Antonio Brown, seven for 63. Both those guys had some killer drops, but they did find a way to make a few plays. Brown would have been the hero of this game. I know. If he catches that pass and Donovan Smith doesn't get the pretty questionable hands to the face penalty uh, in that in the early in the third quarter, that those two, that took tons of yardage off the table for Antonio Brown. He would have had a monster performance if not for that. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, AB, that touchdown still kills me because I had that as what my contract. But yeah, the throw, the throw was incredible. It was right in his hands. And it looked like that it came out after he had already landed. So it was still an incomplete pass either way. Um, but yeah, it would have been a huge game. I thought it was surprising he didn't – felt like he didn't play as much as, as he should have, just the amount of snaps. Like Tyler Johnson mm-hmm. had a ton of snaps, but it was like, why is Tyler Johnson here on third down? This should be Antonio Brown. Right, for sure. He doesn't need any rest. He didn't play last week. If anything, he should have been down there almost in every single crucial down. Right, Scott, we're getting ready to turn the page on the defense a little bit uh, until we come back to maybe look at the injury situation moving forward at the end of the show. But thoughts on the defense and how they played, given the fact that they're without four starters in in the secondary, Jason Pierre-Paul for the finish of that game, obviously. Yeah. uh, Starting a lot of guys that haven't played much football at the end there. You're right. And uh, I think when you look at, at at the players that really stepped up, it was the guys that, that we've been criticizing over the last couple of, of weeks here, the splash players, Devin White, Anton Winfield Jr., Shaq Barrett, those those type of, of guys that are, you know, leaders at every level, guys that really made an impact in the postseason run and the Super Bowl run for the Buccaneers. And you saw that tonight, even though Devin White had, you know, a very up and down game again. I mean, he's playing more like Quan Alexander now than than Devin White. That's not a good thing. So I, I think that but if if you look at at the Shaq Barrett forced fumble, which really should have been a forced fumble. We talked about this on Peter Game Day, John. Devin White was right there to scoop it up. But White also had the pressure on Mac Jones, the big hit on that overthrow that um, Ross Cockrell got a, a, a tip, and Antoine Winfield came up with the interception. Then Winfield had the forced fumble that was key, and, and you saw Richard Sherman uh, jump on the loose ball. But Devin White, though, how many times is this guy going to come screaming through the A gap and just miss? I mean, it's not like Mac Jones is that athletic, but you got to come in under control and be able to redirect as a good blitzer, but we've seen him miss several opportunities for sacks this year, and that's why he has zero through four games now. It's not like he's not getting through and maybe affecting things, but he can play a hell of a lot better than he is. John, to your point about uh, Levante David, I agree. He's not playing that well, except I got to give him credit for. Whoa, whoa. I didn't say that, but go ahead. Well, I'm just. <laughs> I just said he overran a sack. Yeah, well, he's a, he overran a sack, but he also came up with a huge fast deflection at the line of scrimmage yep. that set up that 56-yard yep. game uh, winning field goal attempt that uh, doinked off the upright by Nick Folk. And i tell you what, as somebody who watched Nick Folk single-handedly lose the Bucks patriots game on Thursday night football back when he was a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, that was poetic justice right there because Nick Folk was a good kicker, comes to Tampa, 
which is the cesspool of kicking, unless you're Ryan Suckup, and and just absolutely crap the bed. And then the Bucks cut the guy, and he goes to New England, and he hits 35 straight field goals before tonight's miss. So that's poetic justice for the Buccaneer fans that were cursed by Nick Folk first, and then his replacement, Chandler Canzaro, came and, and basically put on the Nick Folk jersey and did the same thing, crap the bed. And then he ended up leaving, too. Thankfully, the Bucks have Ryan Suckup. Yes, he did have a miss tonight, but listen, four out of five ain't bad, especially when your last one ends up being the game winner. And the conditions. I mean, the conditions. And the conditions. Tonight. Yeah, you saw the, no one doubt. Of the holds. Bradley Pinion, for as poorly as he kicked tonight and many mistakes as he made with, I guess, probably the conditions, something to do with it, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah. man, I mean, he had the one hold was low and slid, and he got <laughs> yeah. it and put it down, and Suckup hit it, and oh. – those kind of things matter in a game like this. Obviously, it was a very ugly performance for the offense. Tons of self-inflicted stuff. You know, even you go back to that long one to Antonio Brown, you know, uh, there was a lot of that uh, where they moved the ball down the field. I don't think you'll see many games this season where the team goes one full red zone in terms of touchdowns and drops a touchdown on a possession outside of the red zone. So pretty yeah. ugly stuff from the box. Feels very self-inflicted to me. I right. still do not John, feel like it is something an opponent did. I know that'll be the storyline. No, People right. are lazy with the narratives, but I, I, I think just feel he, like the Bucks do it to themselves. You were spot on in the comparison between this game and the Chicago Bears game last year. Yeah, The difference is this team has just gotten a little bit better. It's more mature. It's more experienced. There's a little bit more savvy to this team that even when they're not playing well, they still win a game like this. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the difference between the early season 2020 Buccaneers and – the early season 2021 Buccaneers that have that playoff experience, that Super Bowl experience, that that they can really try to do everything they can to to you know uh, do all the self inflicted wounds, but yet still stay alive. And in the, yeah. this, I think I texted you guys in the group chat. Survive in advance. You know this is yeah. a banged up team, and I do not want to be the Debbie Downer, uh, because this is still a long season to go. And, and this team will get Jamel Dean back. They will get Sean Murphy Bunting back. Not sure when, but right now, the amount of, of injuries that are mounting in the secondary, especially with Carlton Davis, and I agree with you, John, it looks like it's a serious injury. You're talking about a quad injury. Usually that's a tear. That's not good. Those don't heal quickly. <laughs> and when you're a cornerback, you got to be able to drive, plant, sprint, all those things. I really feel bad for Carlton because this is a, a contract year for him. Year. Yeah, but, he's but having with, a great season. Oh, sure. yeah. But with him and Winfield, the secondary just keeps taking a hit. I will say right. it's not like the Patriots tried to run the ball, but, boy, the Buccaneers, if they tried to run the ball, made them change their mind. No chance. Eight carries, <laughs> minus one yards. I mean, that's that's some yeoman's work up there. Will Golston, how about that? I just saw – I just saw Will Golston here. Let's let's throw him up. Yeah, thank you very much, Will Golston, my man. Will Golston, two sacks, tied for the team lead. He only had three last year, which was a career high. He's already got two. I'll tell you, I, I'm I. He's up there with with Joe Tryon Shoinka, who is a star in the making, and Shaq Barrett. Now, Will frigging Golston, tied for the team lead in sacks. I love to see it. Yeah, I do too. He's really played great, I think, this season. They've asked more of him the last two years, and he's definitely delivered one of the unsung heroes of this team. Matt, as you look at this performance and you were looking uh, you know, at some of the most – I think you were – well, you wrote most disappointing, didn't you? It's going up on PeterReport.com yeah. in a little bit. Offensively, there were probably some people to choose from. 
what stood out to you from this game, especially as you look at, at the Bucks' offensive line, their performance, weird game maybe for them tonight because the Patriots rushed three as much as they did um, and truly tried to play coverage and keep everything in front of them and made it make it a little more difficult for Brady. But still, I felt like a pretty clean performance for that group. Yeah, it was an odd game for sure because they obviously ran the ball pretty well and as effectively as they had this season. Matthew Judon was a huge problem for the offensive line uh, in this game. He got to Brady. He caused the the penalty on Donovan Smith. I understand it was questionable, but if it wasn't for a good pass rush in the first place, Mm -hmm. you don't even get that call. Um, I had Alex Kappa on my most disappointing list. Him and Ronald Jones were responsible for the sack that was allowed by Judon, where, yeah. first of all, it's a, it was a play action, so Kappa pulled. Uh, he didn't get there quick enough. It's the but trap think, pass. That's the one yeah. Gronkowski said when yeah. he was on with the Manning brothers. Do you remember when he said, I've scored like all my touchdowns and all my yards <laughs> off this play, and Brady said it on the NFL film show. That was the trap pass. They usually run it with Marpet pulling. This time right. they switched it up, ran it with Kappa, which was a good idea. Judon just never fell for the run fake. It's play action. Right. He never fell for it at all. Blew right by both of them because of it. And I think Rojo kind of knocked Kappa off the block a little bit. But it was a good wrinkle, and it, and I thought it was a good play call in terms of, of trying to change it up on there. But I do give Judon a heck of a credit because he just read it the whole way. He identified it. I just still think when you're trying to double team a guy, for him to get in the backfield that quickly and get a sack like that, I almost felt it was a little bit inexcusable in that situation. And then Kappa got dominated by Lawrence Guy uh, on a run play that I believe yes. was second and one. <laughs> Literally and then, got thrown. Yeah, and then it led to the third and one. I believe Brady's pass got tipped after that. And, you know, you thought the Bucs were about to, to do their thing and move down the field, and their drive just instantly stopped like that. So, you know, that, that was Kappa responsible for that situation as well. I didn't really love the play of the tight ends. Obviously, not having Gronk was huge, but yeah. – O.J. Howard, his only contribution to the game was a false start penalty. I mean, he's been relegated to third-string tight end. You, as much as the Bucs use their tight ends, you still would have thought he could have had some type of impact on this game, whether it's in the passing game. But, you know, he was Cam- invisible in that game. Cam Braid had the very nice catch towards the end of the game. But, again, that slants across the middle. out earlier in the red zone. Right, right in his hand. You yeah. just can't make those mistakes in these yeah. types of games. And he made up for later, but he was wide open. I just yeah. – y- you really miss Gronk in this game just from the, the play of both tight ends, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah for sure. Matt, hey, you know what you up. don't miss? We, before we bring in JC, yeah. you know what you don't miss, Matt? People aren't going to miss the opportunity to sign up for the Peter Report Bowling League That's with right. pin chasers, are they? Because you've got them covered with all the information they need to go visit our friends over at Pin Chasers and join the Peter Report Bowling League. Tell the people, Matt, about That's how right, they can people. get involved in the best. It's coming up uh, next two Mondays from now, since tomorrow. Well, actually, today is Monday, so next Monday from now. Yeah. Uh, October 11th, starting at 6.30. We got some uh, signups already, some teams coming. It's going to be a very competitive league. I'm looking forward to it. Peter Report Bowling League is going to be every Monday at 6.30. You could sign up uh, individually or with a team. Um, we keep it competitive. There is a handicap. So even if you're not the best bowler, uh, if you're going against someone that's really good, the the scores will be averaged out. So it keeps for good competition and the overall fun level. But Pin Chasers itself is an aw- awesome atmosphere. Uh, it's ran by uh, huge Bucks fans. They've been in business for over 60 years. It's a family-owned business. 
Uh, you got pizza night uh, every Tuesday. All you can eat pizza. Yeah, baby. all you can eat pizza for eleven ninety nine. Uh, free bowling on Thursday nights and one dollar Miller Lights. Uh, the, the the food the the ten pin grill there is fantastic. Burgers, fries, anything you could think of, they got that meal. Uh, breakfast food all day long. Doesn't matter if you're there at lunchtime at midnight. They got breakfast food for you there. So make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or set up a party. And again, the Peter Report Bowling League next Monday, October 11th, Columbus Day at 6.30. Start signing up. Uh, we're going to be there. Well, we're going to be there every week, but we're going to have uh, raffles and giveaway on the first night, some Peter Report t-shirts. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Come talk, box with me, and uh, it's going to be an awesome time. So make sure you're there. October 11th, as I said. Pat, before we let you go, give us your game balls real quick, presented by Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Yes, sir. First, on the offensive side of the ball, I got to go with Lombardi, Lenny. His best game of the season so far with the team. Uh, ran the ball quite well, was effective, especially in the screen game. And drew a very important pass interference penalty on that uh, on that drive to set up the game-winning field goal by Ryan Suckup. Defensively, there's a couple ways you can go with this. But I'm going to give a shout-out to Antoine Winfield, Jr., Scott, you have talked a lot about how he's been solid, but he hasn't been making those splash plays that we saw from him last year. Well, he made those splash plays today with the interception and forcing, as I spoke about before, a crucial, crucial force fumble that helped the Bucs uh, stay within the game. So Antoine Winfield made the splash plays today that we've been waiting for, and um, hopefully he's healthy and can get back to the field ASAP. Awesome so, stuff, Matt. Thank you so much for your contributions. You can read Matt at, at uh, PeterReport.com and sign up for that bowling league, too. We're yes. going to bring in J.C. Allen right now. J.C. Oh, J.C. is on, on the show. Okay. J.C. got himself in some in hot chat. water. Come on, bring it on, everyone in the chat. Everyone bring it. Yeah, they're, they're going to let you hear about it, I think, a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, Brady, to me, this was he was the story of this game, right, in a lot of ways, to a lot of people. And I love what Bruce Aaron right. said after the game about this is a team sport and people boiling it down to that, you know, are, you know, missing out. And I completely agree. Uh, I completely agree with that, but I get also get it. I know the world the age we live in. I know how we like to individualize things. This one was easy. Yeah. Easy way, easy for people to get down that path. And it was a little bit of an uneven start for sure. I still think Brady made probably five throws in this game that were like, wow. Um, and including a couple on that, on that drive before the end of the first Back half. Back shoulder to AB. Last drive. Back shoulder to AB was sick throw, had two sick ones, especially the first one to Godwin, just dropped it in opposite hash uh, on the vertical throw on the two-minute drive before uh, the end of the first half. Then at the end, uh, back of the end zone to AB was another sick throw, the AB throw that was taken off the board by Donovan Smith penalty. Um, so, yeah, I was just – I was just – I came away thinking more and more how impressed I was. Obviously, not everything went the Bucks' way for sure in that game, and Brady did miss – I didn't feel like he missed a lot of open people except on shorter throws, but I did feel like he had a harder time finding people open. The replays we got, it did look like the Patriots played great man coverage. It's what they do. It makes it a little bit tougher at times. Three-man rushes, he was taking his time a little bit, not trying to force the ball. I get it, uh, but bottom line is I know we like to put everything back on a quarterback. It's just how the world of <laughs> football works, but my issues with the Bucs and my concerns with the Bucs are not related to the quarterback, and in this game, they are related to the play caller. I've been a pretty fierce advocate of Byron Leftwich this season. I think he's had a great first three games. I thought in this second half, he did not know what he was doing. He was trying to establish the run. 
It was not there in terms. John, of the did they run the ball tonight? Did they oh, run the they ball? They ran it, Scott. Well, oh, they did, they didn't they? It. Do you remember first a key? And 10. <laughs> do you remember a key third and one where they liked it to pass the ball? I John. don't even remember, but I'm sure you're right. They were in 16 third downs tonight because it was it was the, the pass that got batted at the line of scrimmage. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, right. John. What they is, ran on second and what two. Is third and one. Third and one is a running. Down. It's a rundown. I Run guess we ball. ran on second and two and didn't go. Run it. Run the ball, especially when you're averaging over four yards a carry. Right. I yeah, mean, the Bucks got... were in 19 third down situations tonight. That is horrible. Yes. You never no. want to be in third down that often because even when you have a good percentage, like 47%, which they right. had tonight, you are still almost losing the game because it's not good enough when you're in third down Correct. all the time. If you have 10 third downs and you went 47% of them, that's okay. You can live with that because if you score points, you won on first and second down way more often, hopefully. They didn't win really ever on first down in this game. So many short gains on first down. They were always in third down. They survived. It's a horrible process. It's the same process that got them in trouble all year last year. And to hear Arian say after the game, JC, that the running, sticking with it, was what won him the game. And he, he admitted that he normally gets away from it. But, man, I just felt like that was – not that running at all wasn't part of it, but the fact that he credited that with the win is blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly – I mean, the running game definitely helped, and it was finally good to see it start getting going. Leonard Fournette, you know, attacking the holes, although he mm -hmm. still was dancing around a little bit, uh, but he did find some nice holes to run through. But you won this game through the air. I mean, that's that's what it did. It didn't, it didn't show up enough on the stat sheet, um, and there were some obviously key drops throughout the entire game. Antonio Brown to seal the deal was the biggest one, but – uh, Bruce says the craziest things in his interviews, so I won't put anything past them anymore. Well, but are you, see, here's the thing, and I, I think when you look back at, at last week's game against the Rams, they weren't getting anything going in the running game. They just weren't, right? So they they decided to throw the ball almost exclusively on on uh, on every down in the second half, and I'm okay with that. It's like you know the the, the idea of, of you banging your head against the wall is not going to knock the wall down. It's going to give you a headache. You're going to get have yeah. a gash in your forehead, right? So I, I get it. When something's not working, don't stick with it because you're just wasting time, wasting downs. But listen, at no point in time was Tom Brady um, on fire tonight, okay? His throws were high. I think that, that it was some of this was weather-related. I think the other part of it was we saw the emotions. Uh, this, this was a – this was a first for Tom Brady. Okay. This guy's been through everything in the NFL, everything except for tonight. This was a first. This was a rookie moment for the most veteran of all veteran quarterbacks. Why? Because he, he's never been into a homecoming situation before. It only happens once. Tonight it happened to a 44 year old Tom Brady. He went into that atmosphere and it got to him a little bit. He was not nearly as sharp. And whenever you see those passes sail high, that's usually an indicator. You get a little bit of little case of the yips, not from pressure, yep. not from pass rush, but from the the pressure of the moment, right? I think I think Tom wanted to have a certain type of game and it wasn't going that way. And listen, the weather played a big role in that. But credit Bruce Arians for saying, um, we're not going to stick with throwing the ball because that's not woodworking. I, I've got, I've got a running back here in Leonard Fournette who's having a great night. This is the return of playoff Lenny, and 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 I think that was the key to them 
winning this game. I really do. I mean, it's not like Brady was well, a bystander thing, tonight. I don't, but I don't think that was the process, though. Like, if you looked across the game, they were protecting well. Drops were a problem for them. But they threw the ball pretty well throughout the game. It wasn't a Tom major Brady completed fifty one percent of his passes. John, this is right, a guy that several and several were dropped. That's execution. Errors. You need to take care of execution yeah, errors. I, to me, before anything else. Maybe. I, I Godwin, there's drops in every game, fellas. There are, but I'm just telling you tonight that, that, that there's there's drop passes when Tom Brady's completing 74% of his passes too. But what I'm saying is Brady was off tonight. 51% of his of his passes were completed, and you can say he he had five, seven drops, whatever. Okay, but there was still a lot of misfires. A lot of times yeah, the ball yeah. was was I mean that that slant down. Yeah, the cam break, but there was also that that slant down there to Edwards that was like too high for a six foot five receiver down there in the red zone. So I, I well, that was just a straight up drop, hit him in both hands. It didn't, John. It, 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 it glanced yep. off the, the tip. Of I his think finger. you'll see it on the replay and see a different story because that should have been caught a hundred percent. That'll go down mm. as a drop in the red zone, and I felt like that was more the issue than anything else tonight. I still, uh, yes, the Patriots were never gonna. This is never gonna be a seventy percent completion game, especially the way that the Bucks play. I just felt like that that wasn't the issue at all tonight. I thought the first down runs put them consistently in third and long, especially yep. in that second half. And I felt like that contributed more than anything else to the fact that the Bucs couldn't score when they got down the red zone. Too many third downs all the way down the field. And Brady got them out of several, especially in the second half on those field goal drives. But it was difficult to live that way the whole game, and they were in those situations all game. 19 third downs, is, to me, that was the, it's too that many. Was the story of the whole thing. It's, yeah. it's too many. Yeah. And and they couldn't do anything off those turnovers either. I mean, you had a missed field goal, a three and out. You got to take advantage. It's great to have turnovers, and, and Winfield showed up huge. But yeah. you got to be able to, you know, make points out of those. You can't just, you know, give up points like that. So, I, also too, it's it's not like this Buccaneer team is is foreign to playing in bad weather. It happens. I mean, it rains down here in Florida, despite being it being the Sunshine State. But at the same time. These weather conditions were more like New England than they were Tampa, and I—it's no excuse because you're a professional. You got to gather and execute. Whether it's it's blazing heat, whether it's pouring down rain, whether it's snowing, whatever. But I just think that that the weather did affect this game and it affected the game plan for the Buccaneers. And I thought, to their credit, both the Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. I didn't like the play calling, but I liked the play direction that they went. And they leaned on the running game when they needed it most. And I just wrote about the the Bucks' lack thereof in terms of the running game of my Fab Five. The ugly truth about it. But I also yeah. pointed out that in, in the playoffs, they ran for over 100 yards in three out of those four playoff games. And they needed that tonight, and they got it. If they couldn't have been able to run the ball tonight, they would not have won this game. What and happens now? Go ahead, JC. I was going to say, you guys mentioned the penalty. I mean, the third down, uh, the lack, you know, the 19 third downs. Conversely, the Bucks stepped up on defense uh, for the first time this season. You know, they're a 28th ranked third down defense. They held Mac Jones to two to nine, uh, two of nine on, on third down. So it's a step in the right direction in that way. Penalties yeah. still killed them, though. Yeah, penalties did, and, and we just got to talk about it. Like, I, honestly, I, I I think we just need to get it off our chest. But first, I do want to mention to everybody, and I want to make sure people know about our friends over at Living Golf Life and the wonderful products that they're producing over there. And they're getting up some new stuff, too. It's pretty exciting. They've got some new hats coming in. We're very excited to be modeling those on the show pretty soon. But livinggolflife.com, it's a place you can get lots of – you can get polos, shirts, or you can get uh, hats, you got koozies and – glasses, all kinds of stuff. 
Living Golf Life is just an unbelievable brand started by two guys, military background. It's kind of their dream. They love going out golfing, getting on the course, having a few cold ones and, and hanging out. And they believe it's a lifestyle. And I know a lot of people in this chat probably agree with that uh, and have some of their best pastimes out on the golf course, uh, you know, just shooting it around. So I, I just think that uh, what they do in terms of the model of what they're trying to create at livinggolflife.com. It's really cool. And so encourage people to go over there, follow them on Instagram at livinggolflife, check out their products, see if there's something you'd like as a present, something you'd like to get somebody else as a present and support those guys because I think they're doing some awesome stuff and they have some really cool designs. I The Living Golf Life hat that you see there on the screen is one of my favorites. So uh, if you get a chance Logo's to check fresh. that one out. Yeah, it's it's pretty fresh. It's pretty awesome. Uh, so definitely check that one out for sure. The, the officiating guys. I mean, what are we doing at this point like this is killing the game just, killing the game and then how at the end first and 15 all everything else aside the ridiculous fumble calls some of the ridiculous pass interference uh all that stuff aside how do you miss the guy jump with the false start who jumps and then literally drops his head like this because he knows that you don't call either at least call the dejected response as a false star, like if you're not going to, they don't go either. And the Bucks are all screaming for penalty. They blew the coverage in the flat and it's a 15 yard gain or whatever, but it's just, I mean, come on. Like that kind We're of We're not going to see so a change. Ridiculous. We're not going to so, see a change until they go full time. I mean, my wife works with one of the replay official officials. He's got a normal nine to five job during the week. And then he goes refs college on Saturday and NFL on Sunday. Like we need yeah. guys to just be full-time officials. They need to really work at their craft during the week, in the off season, And it's just getting, you know, you never want to say take the human side out of it and just put like robots or something. But something's got to happen. Cameras, something, somebody up in the top making these calls because they're just egregious. Okay. All day I, I, I've got, I got a question for you, JC, because I'm, I'm of the same mindset. Like I'm all in favor of full-time refs, whatever that means. I guess it means you don't have any other job but this. But the thing is, is, is when you only have 17 games that you're going to work during the season, that's 17 days out of 365, right, that you're calling the game. So how are you going to get better? I mean, you can only watch so much tape, right? So I'm just saying, like, I, I'm with you, but at the same time, to play devil's advocate, how are our full-time officials going to be any better? Because you have to work at something and do it multiple times for you to be better. And right now, these guys are only doing 17 games during the regular season to begin with. They're not going to do any more, right, if they're full-time. So how does that necessarily improve things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could look to maybe college, but rules are different there too. So it, it's I, – I don't have the correct answer, and I think that might be part of the reason why we don't have full-time uh, officials. You know, they're working on different leagues here that could maybe supplement and be um, – additions to the nfl and kind of farm systems and maybe that's that's a route you look i don't know there, there's got to be some sort of solution because we can't keep having this it's a huge problem it's a huge problem but I, also I, just making a full-time fix it i don't know i'm not saying it doesn't i just i don't know yeah that's what i'm saying I, I i'm all in favor of if it fixes it i just don't know what well, the fix you need less reality, rules i don't you know need maybe less virtual rules. reality you got like uh, you know yeah. the vr stuff maybe sure. that you I can mean, that, do that i don't know something. but it's like how do you help it without slowing the game down that's the other hard part i yeah i think you need less rules like you need to simplify Everyone's things screaming sky judge do we trying to make this work trying to like leave all this ambiguous calls up to the officials just kills it. I mean, like you just, yeah. I think you need to simplify things 
you know, the blows of the head, all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, okay, you want to keep blows of the head, especially helmet to helmet out of the game. But you can't be every time a guy gets hit, you like there's yeah. a flag there. I mean, I saw a post pattern in the in the Falcons Cardinals game or Falcons Washington game, and there's a hit in the back of the end zone, and the corner literally hit the guy going over the middle with like his butt and hip. It was clearly yeah. from live. You could see it was not. And as soon as the collision happened, it's just a flag on the field. And they yeah. picked it up to their credit, but it's just like that just reveals like how, and we see that all the time. It's just like right. as soon as there's any type of a hit. You're exactly right. It's just, it's a flag. It, it, it seems to me, and I, I want to say it might've been Carlton in this game where it was across the middle and it looked very questionable. And, and it, there was a flag. And the thing is, is I think these refs are so conditioned that if they think that there might have been pass interference and the guy gets up and starts selling it, right, and the crowd starts selling it, that he buys it and throws the flag. And it's like, to me, if you if you see it, call it. If you don't see it, don't call it. And and I just think that the the consistency from game to game, from crew to crew, it's just like, you Not know, fair. It's 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 just so inconsistent, and it really is ruining the game. In my opinion, let the players play, err on the side of that, rather than have the game be dictated by absolute bullshit officiating. Yeah, and the one thing that also cracks me up is, this is totally aside, and I didn't see it in this game, the forward progress thing is like ridiculous. Today, the Panthers had a big hit, like just open field big hit, and the ball, while he's going down, the ball comes out. And it was like, no, his forward progress was stopped. Yeah, during the hit, it dislodged <laughs> the ball. But then right. you see a guy like go into the pile on like on third and one or whatever, get to the or near the goal line, and his forward progress is clearly stopped, but no whistle sounds. And five years later, his O-line like rolls him into the end zone. And it's <laughs> right. like, how is this this like this is so simple to me? Yeah, like and you just like let these plays go on for forever where a guy's in the middle of a pile getting carried by like 10 dudes on his team. It's just how can we not? It, there's so many things, man. We could do a whole show on it, but yeah. it's ridiculous. And the Bucks have not benefited from it. That's kind of how it ties to Tampa Bay. No. They've really not benefited. They did get the pass interference late, the Lenny play that you mentioned. JC, that was a big moment in the game, I felt like, obviously. But it was also, also a hell of a throw by, by Tom Brady. I mean, the ball yeah, was yeah. right on the money. Right. And, and Fournette is trying to get his hands up. Both of his hands were held by, by Van Noy. But, I mean, that was a beautiful pass by Brady down the field. Yeah, that was really what was working for the Bucs. Funny enough, was passes down the field. I feel like there was one of Brady's yeah, more accurate games in that regard, and it was underneath stuff that was missing a little bit. Yeah. But I know the Patriots probably don't know what a downfield pass looks like because I'm not sure anybody other than <laughs> Jacoby Myers attempted one for them tonight. But yeah. Andy Kane, our wow. Mac, had him. Sorry, I'm giving hey. JC the business. I actually didn't remember JC was down there. Sorry, JC. Well, hey, uh, listen, John, you mentioned Jacoby Myers. Just a hat tip to that guy, right? Eight catches, 70 yards. He also completed both of his passes for 45 yards. So, uh, he had the other still yeah, has I no mean, receiving touchdowns. still has no receiving touchdowns. Yes, but if you want yards, he's your guy because he had plenty of them tonight. He, he was kind of the equivalent to Leonard Fournette on, on the Patriots side. He had 70 yards through the air, uh, receiving, and then 45 through the air passing so he got it done two ways like Leonard Fournette did with his big nine in the ground 91 yards uh rushing and then 47 yards receiving and again that 31 yard pass interference call on on Van Noy was a big play on that um mm, yeah. that field goal drive by suck up to win the game right for sure I just yeah they had not benefited they benefited less from pass interference penalties than any other team in the league and I wondered when that would 
kind of come back around. It did obviously in a key moment there. That stuff usually does regress some, but overall, yeah, Bucks have not. Patriots did have some uncharacteristic penalties tonight. They overcame yeah. a lot of them, but first and 20 and second and 20, the Bucks let them yeah. kind of overcome. <laughs> and almost, almost the third and 19 or whatever on the, before they calls. decided to not go for it on fourth down before the end of the half. So lots of questionable things about the process. Here's what I want to do, guys, before we get to game balls. Let's just look ahead real quick for the Bucks because the injury outlook is bleak right now, especially for the secondary, really mainly. They will get some people back. Jason Pierre-Paul hopefully back this week. Jamel Dean hopefully he, back this week. Well, I mean, the thing about Pierre-Paul, no, John, no. He, he did have two interceptions last year, so maybe you use him as a corner. That's true. That's a safety. I don't know. I, I mean, mean as much as Todd Bowles likes to drop him in coverage, you might oh as well, right? Gosh, yeah. They could probably He's leave him there and, and keep Joe yeah. Tryon Shoinka at the – at the edge position. Hey, I don't hate uh, it. Jacoby Brissett is up next uh, on on next Sunday. Was that yeah. a one p.m. game next week? It is. It, it's yeah. one o'clock game. One of the, for rare. the Buccaneers. Yeah. I know the yeah. only the only one o'clock game over the first half Quite of the a season. Change. For the Bucs. Yeah. Yes, and then the short week to Thursday night against the Eagles. So we'll see with Gronkowski. Um, you know, we'll see where things settle with him and his injury. Bruce Arians kind of clarified his injury tonight as much as Bruce Arians ever clarifies things because there was like reports ranging from Gronk has sore ribs and he's going to miss this week, but he almost played to Gronk almost died. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I'm exaggerating. But Jay Glazer was like, he's got a punctured yes. long, right. three cracked ribs. He broke another one. He fell right. off a bridge. You know, it's just like, it's yeah. ridiculous. And so I don't know. And Bruce Arians after the game was like, yeah, he had a like pinched, a little pinch in his lung, he said. I don't know what yeah. that even means, but it doesn't sound like <laughs> no, it was like a full puncture. Well, here's what was told to me, and I reported on pewterreport.com. Mm-hmm. The reason that there is cause for optimism with Kronkowski's injury is that they didn't put him on injured reserve because if you put him on an injured reserve, that means at least three weeks. So mm-hmm. this team is hopeful. They do not expect him to play against the Dolphins. They're not closing the door on that. But there is hope that over the next 10 days – you could see him in that Thursday night game against Philadelphia, um, and and uh, I think that's probably more likely than Sunday. But a really, it's it's a pain management type thing. You can tape the ribs, put the flak jacket on, and when when you run, when you fall, when you get hit, it's going to hurt. But how much of that can yeah. you take? And mm. we'll see how how Gronkowski well, how quickly he heals. Pain management, yeah. like Bill said if, the other if, day. If, if I'm the box, you're not taking any opponent lightly, but you're also talking about a guy who's older and his health and has had injuries before. Yes. I don't even worry about playing Gronkowski this week. I, I mean, the Dolphins either, are no. one of the worst teams in the league right yeah. now, and they're on their backup quarterback. They have a pathetic offensive line. They've given up 35 points to the Bills, 31 to the Raiders, 27 to the Colts over the last three weeks. Yeah. Even their defense is not playing well. Like right. You Shocking. need to be able to win this game. You need to be able to win the next three games without – it being like this in yeah. this game. And you like know what, John? Like, I, I go ahead and I, I in my mind, I'm saying you're not even playing against the Eagles either because after the Eagles game, you have 10 days off before the next right. opponent. So why sure, not buy that time and get Gronk fully healthy for the, the home stretch? Right. The yeah, Eagles are struggling mightily on defense right now. Dolphins are struggling on both sides of the ball. Chicago's after that. Justin Fields played better this week. We'll see if it lasts. Uh, you know, it, it was a couple throws, and I have high expectations for Fields personally as a guy who's a big fan. But have, we'll see. You might we'll have summer be bunting back too by the Chicago. You might have back by know. then, right? Yeah. You should have Dean back by then for sure, and Jason Pierre-Paul. Mm. Yeah. So uh, the next couple weeks for the Bucks, 
need to be wins. They need to not look like this crap tonight. in advance. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but Survive in advance. I yeah. get it, but you're not going to win many games playing like this tonight, I don't think. Even against teams that are worse than New England. And the next three teams are worse than New England. I know the Dolphins beat them week one. But the next three teams, that was with Tua. And Tua's not even good. But this yeah. is going to be with Brissett, who holds the ball a ton. You should be able to get pressure. Uh, he would look like a mess today against the Colts, who were 0-3 going into the game. Um, the, the, you just need to, the next three weeks need to be no question wins. And then you go into what week eight or whatever it is against the saints. And that's obviously a huge game. The saints are not good, but they're probably going to play everybody tough because they're really well coached and their defense is good. So yeah, so yeah, you're right. Too. Marcus Davenport might be yep. back there. Uh, defensive tackle. Yep. I can't remember his name. We'll be coming David up, on Yamada, um, yes, he'll be back. Yeah. Suspension. Yeah, you'll, yeah. yeah, you'll get the Saints will be probably healthier at that point. We'll see, and the Bucks Michael are banged Thomas. up. Maybe they'll be healthier then. So yeah, there's yeah. just a lot of that. But that you need to be what a one loss team going into that game. The next three weeks need to be wins. I don't care who's out. You you need to yeah. dominate those next three games. Right. For sure. You face you face three of the worst offensive. If the Eagles' offensive line stays banged up, you'll face three. The Eagles game. It might not be the Eagles up, game. But... Still, the Eagles game still still scares me a little bit. As a oh yeah, the, the Eagles are yeah. the toughest Ten. of those three. But yeah, they also... especially with Jalen Hurts' ability to to make plays, and I'm still a little concerned about the Bucks' open field tackling. You know, especially yeah. without a guy like Carlton Davis, who's a very good tackler. Um, Even I... Winfield for the game he had, he missed that tackle. Yeah. on the touchdown. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's that's something that concerns me, and you get Jalen Hurts. With some run pass options where he is breaking contain, he can make guys miss, pick up first downs, run for touchdowns. I, I agree, John. I think that's that's probably the, the most dangerous game of the next three coming up. Hey, you know what isn't a dangerous game? What's shaving that? your balls with Manscaped? <sighs> that's so right. <laughs> because because <laughs> they've invented unbelievable creation in the performance package 4.0, the lawnmower 4.0. Only the GOAT technology for the greatest balls of all time. When you're going toward the end zone, make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them. So join the movement with our exclusive offer by using the promo code Pewter20, P-E-W-T-E-R, Pewter20, Manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. Here's the deal with the Performance Package 4.0. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that you just saw Scott hold up. The weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer. By the way, that that light you on that thing. That'll this is important. You need down there, there's no snags. It's a nice, clean, comfortable shave. Yes. Uh, there's a waterproof on and off switch, uh, or sorry, a travel lock on and off switch, and it's yep. waterproof. Using the shower, or whatever. Um, it's great stuff. Great technology. Super comfortable. You also get the weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop yes. preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, mm-hmm. toner. Plus two free gifts, the performance boxer briefs and the shed travel bag. Outstanding stuff by Manscaped. You can get 20% off this game-changing product by going to manscaped.com, getting free shipping with the promo code Pewter20 and getting 20% off. That is an unbelievable deal for an unbelievable product that has changed the game for everyone at Pewter Report, yes, including no those who used it before yes. because it's that good. And so you've got to pick this up. Ask for it for a present. Give it to somebody as a present. Get yourself manscaped up so that you can live life to the fullest. And Scott Gandhi. showed you the weed whacker. I'm going to show yes. you the deodorant that I'm wearing. Right no, now. no, 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 don't show us that even. John, did you say free shipping or free shirts? I, I did. I see free shipping, but oh. maybe free shirts too? 
Yeah, we do have some free shirts. These are going like hotcakes. Why? Because you guys have been joining the Manscaped movement and uh, supporting our sponsors, and we appreciate that. So all we need you to do is place an order with the promo code Pewter20. It's going to save you 20% off, get you the free shipping. And if you email that to me, email me your, your proof of purchase. It's got your address on it, which is why I need it. So email it to me at srpewterreport.com. Easy to remember. SR, that's me, srpewterreport.com. I will send you a free Pewter Report t-shirt. We have them in black. We have them in gray. We have them in white. And uh, these have been going like crazy. So we really appreciate the support. It's an absolutely free shirt. We'll ship it to you for free. It costs you nothing. Email me that proof of purchase at sr at pewterreport.com. I'll send you a free shirt. And guys, holiday season is rapidly approaching. So this is a great gift yes. for yourself or for a dad, brother, uncle, best friend, college roommate, whatever. So uh, jump on this order. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good offer. Yeah, really. Is. No roommate? question about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to send some for my college roommates. Yes. There's no doubt. Hey, buddy. I noticed now you've been using my razor. I got you I'm, something. I, I listen. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not doing any personal inspections, but I can only guess. So that's what I'm saying. You know, it's we're moving toward 2 a.m. when, <laughs> when yes. the podcast takes this turn. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap up here. More thoughts on the show coming tomorrow, though. 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live tomorrow, breaking all this down again, looking in more in depth at. Uh, especially me, I'll be looking more in depth at some of these first down plays, some of the looking back at the tape a little bit too, hopefully by then. Um, there's a, a lot uh, to break down from this one that's kind of going to be, was the process really off offensively? Was it just execution? Um, just looking at some of those things. Um, and then obviously, you know, we'll begin as the week goes on looking ahead uh, to the next game as well for Tampa Bay against the Dolphins. We're going to be uh, the pregame sh- preview show uh, will be on Wednesday and then on Thursday, um, the, we'll have uh, more preview aspects, hopefully with guests too, uh, coming over and Tony JC, what size shirt do you wear? I want to send you a Nick folk shirt. Go box $5 super <laughs> chat for Tony. Appreciate it. it. Thank you for everybody. You're hammering JC in the chat. Uh, as you very much appreciate hedging, hedging his bets. It's not even that he picked the Patriots. It's yeah. Just head. don't hedge your bets, man. Just right. stick yeah, with yeah. it. You know, that's yeah, the thing. We don't do well, that. listen, let me explain myself. No, 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 Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, no, we're on to game balls presented by manscape. Your balls will thank you. And I'm going to go first. Oh, so, okay. Fine. Yes, I am. I'm going to pull rank. I'm going to go first. So my first game ball on the offensive side is going to go to gosh what's that guy's name um leonard leonard what are you doing rushing for 91 yards leonard oh my god oh it's it's the most high pitched i've ever what are you doing 91 yards on the ground you're back to your postseason and i love it 91 yards Okay, 4.6-yard average. Really appreciate that. I also like the fact that, yeah, I did have a drop, but three catches, 47 yards, including a 23-yarder, proving that sometimes Bucks running backs can catch the ball and be productive. So uh, I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette for my offensive game ball. And uh, I also appreciate the fact that he, he ran the wheel route and he and Tom Brady were on the same page. Once he saw that matchup with Kyle Van Noy, Brady knew exactly where he wanted to go with the ball. So a uh, big play by Leonard, even though he didn't catch it, drew a 31-yard uh, mm-hmm. pass interference call. On the defensive side of the ball, you know me, John. You know me, JC. I like the trench play. So that means this guy, oh, come on. Joe Trionchoyinka. Yeah, always go last. Everybody takes mine. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, John. Listen, we had him in our, our Bucks best bet back at draft time. We had him in the mock draft. We were singing this guy's praises before most were. 
And there's a reason for that. And you saw it tonight. Uh, you didn't even see it on the Washington tape, John. I mean, it's just one of those things that I'm with you. I was kind of like, well, he's got the traits, but, you yeah. know, the production isn't there a whole bunch. But listen, this kid did a lot of growing up sitting out a year of football, and he worked on his craft. And that that just showed up big time in training camp. It showed up big time in the preseason. And now you're showing it up. Uh, it's showing up big time in the stat sheet. Two big sacks tonight, including one on third down. That's the money down. That's where you got to get the guys off the field. I liked the back-to-back sacks. I think it was Will Golston, and then it was um, Joe Tryon Shoyenka, the rookie, and uh, that's what you want to see. You want to see pressure on third down, forcing punts, and I think the next step in the maturation process for for Joe Tryon Shoyenka, you know what's going to be? It's going to be sack fumbles. I think they're coming. Yeah, he is. He looked that. He looked awesome. Like even plays where he didn't get sacks. I know the second one was unblocked. Yeah. Oh, but even yeah, yeah. his timing is. How about that play where he's setting the edge, taking on three Patriots yeah. and allowing Carlton Davis to fill the alley for that tackle for loss back in the first quarter? I mean, that's just yeah. outstanding play. He literally drove, I think it was a wide receiver or tight end mm-hmm. back and then wrecked the whole play. I just, I yeah. loved seeing that great trench play. Is he the highest graded buck? From this game, probably in the game defensively. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a grade, man. I don't. I don't either. But I think that <laughs> it's a, a chance mystery. to. Yeah, it's it is a mystery, but I I think he has a chance to be that way. I think he just yeah. he played and that and, well and listen, them. listen. Sacks are what they are. As Rod Marinelli told me, one sack is one play out of you know 60, mm-hmm. 70 in a game. So it, it's not the end all be all. But I do like the sacks on the money downs, and I do like the fact he played very well against the run from what I saw. Listen, whenever you hold a team to minus one yard rushing, even if they're not trying, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, for sure. Ah, see what I did there? See what I did there? All right, might as well let let JC go first. All right, Uh, JC. Itching to get in. Go ahead, JC. Ah, itching. I see what you did there, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on the offensive side. I'm going to give it to Mr. Mike Evans here. Uh, what? The game Whoa! Seven. Whoa! Mike Evans. He didn't play for the Patriots. What are you talking about? Come oh, on, JC. Come on. He doesn't wear number twelve. What are you doing? I know. I'm doing? not picking the twelve this week. Uh, no, Mike Evans. Seven what? <laughs> catches, seventy-five yards. Tom is not happy with you. You guys kill me. It's not just the Bucks fans, John. Now it's Tom. You got Tom. Bill Belichick's probably going to bench you this week. (laughs) (laughs) He had to do a tough matchup against J.C. Jackson, and he delivered, uh, you know, multiple ways with some clutch catches to extend drives. And uh, so Mike Evans is going to be my guy right there. Okay. All right. That's a big upset. On the defensive side. The dude woke up this week. Obviously, he said, you know, my nickname's not Sack Barrett. I got to earn that. Well, he came through, delivered with a sack, not only a sack, two quarterback hits, pass deflection, tackle for a loss, finished with three solo tackles. Not the Should have had a forced fumble. But he got screwed been, yeah. by the refs. Yeah. So Shaq Barrett's my defensive player. Okay. I just got my defensive game ball. Interesting. Well, Tony Saylor doesn't like the Mike Evans. Call. I've got Mike Evans things to say, but I'm going to leave him for tomorrow's show. I, <laughs> I agree with Tony, though. I'm more close. I respect you, JC. I respect your opinion. I appreciate you saying that. What the you drop said, ball, I mean, obviously it was big. I mean, it's not just the drops. I've got other thoughts. I've got other Mike Evans thoughts coming right, tomorrow on the show. Out there. I'm saving them for tomorrow on the show. I got, God, I got yeah. too many things to say anyways. here. I got too many things to say here. Uh, yeah, Chris Godwin was the best. Bucks wide receiver tonight. Well, actually, Who? Antonio Brown was the whoa, whoa. Chris Who is the best? Chris, Chris Godwin. Godwin. Yes. But uh, Antonio did he, Brown did he play was tonight? the best. 
Antonio Brown with yes. the yeah. Steelers love. Yeah. He had like a huge target five on times. the drive for the field goal. Who's going to pick think. Ross Cockrell with another Steeler for your He doesn't play wide receiver, so I couldn't pick it. All right, John, <laughs> let's hear your uh, let's hear your, your game. I would love it. to give it for Antonio Brown because if it hadn't been for the Donovan Smith penalty, uh, he would have been well over 100 yards in this game and made several Shocker. clutch catches on third down. Yeah, the Smith penalty or? <laughs> well, the Smith penalty, but also the fact you're picking AB for something. Just oh, leave it well, out there. I didn't even pick him for Just the best wide receiver. Godwin's the guy right. I picked. Okay. I said I'm, right. on the team, okay. man. I, I'm not the I'm not the AB guy here. But no, he had. A, I mean, really? he was a great game until hmm. that drop at the end of the at the end of the a game. I it mean, was that about was, four years ago. Though. That was about <laughs> as perfect as a throw can be. That's how perfect that throw was. Yes. And, and that's a catch he makes nine times out of hundred. He didn't make it in that one, so I couldn't give him the game ball. Took it away from him. Got to give it to the offensive line. I think they played really, really yeah, well tonight. Uh, we'll look individually at some of the performances a little bit closer but I, again i know matt judon made a play here and there i thought it was more schematic things than it was to, like people were like oh let's look at Don-. the broadcast i saw they were like let's look at donovan smith first matt judon and they had a play where like donovan smith was clearly not assigned to block him and judon just ran free into the backfield and then the hands of the face one which i felt like happens on all these plays and he just got hit yeah. with it and so i didn't have a major problem with the offensive line uh, tonight in their play i thought that was best the bucks have run the ball I personally think the offensive line has been fine in that regard anyway. I think the scheme is killer for this team, and I think it even was tonight at some points in the run game, but they found a way to stay on blocks, and Lenny got a couple like second, third effort runs, and I think that was due to the O-line. And so, yeah, I thought that that was a great uh, performance by the offensive line and protection. I know the Patriots only rushed a few, so I'm giving them the game ball as a group. Uh, And then – yeah, the other the other part of this, I think, is defensively trying to pick somebody you guys didn't pick. Just you know, but Matt picked Winfield, didn't he? And so, yeah, you guys picked the you guys picked the best ones. You guys are on it. But I mean, I'm going to go Winfield too, even though I you know obviously very high on trying to drink his performance. Winfield just because I think he's needed to make splash plays. Like that was a thing last year that he did really really well. I know he's not going to be a guy that blows coverages. Like he's not a high variance player at right. all. But what's the upside? Like, what are you getting in terms of splash plays and potential with Winfield, especially if the Bucs aren't going to use him near the line of scrimmage at all? If he's going to play just free safety for them, which it seems like they've determined is going to happen. I think he needs to make more plays like he made tonight. Obviously, Cockrell made the play that, that he got the interception on, but he's yeah, still in pretty good position to, to contest that. Uh, and then Joe trying to – and then later in the game when he had the, uh, the forced fumble – you know, putting a helmet right on the ball there and getting that thing out. That was one of the plays yeah. of the game, probably. And Big so time. going to Winfield for that one. We would be remiss if we didn't say Richard Sherman with Johnny on the spot picking up that ball. Listen, I know Sherman got picked on a lot tonight. He did. And he was a step slow in coverage. Is that a sign that he's a 33-year-old cornerback and has lost a step? Or is it a sign that after not playing any football at all this year, he plays, he practices three days in a row and then gets commissioned with starting a game that he probably didn't want to start because he wasn't going to be sharp. He wasn't going to be fresh, but yet he went out there and did a yeoman's work tonight. I thought he kept plays in front of him. He didn't get beat deep. Part of that was scheme for sure, but I'm going to give Richard Sherman, you know, uh, a gold star in the fridge for effort. He didn't get a game ball, but, but he gets a gold star in the fridge because he showed up and, and I think he gets credit for the fumble recovery being, being Johnny on the spot there. Yeah, and think about good shout out here from Flash Gordon on Jordan Whitehead. To get his football like, legs under him. Yeah, we don't talk enough about how Jordan Whitehead has played great for this team for a while now. Really, since that Chargers game where he blew last year, where he blew the 
touchdown. And I mean, he's bounced back from that. He had a rough first couple games and then he's been lights out for the Bucs. I know they shelter him and his role a little bit yeah. in terms of coverage. They don't ask him to do that much, but he's got to be one of the best run stuffing. I know he did miss a tackle in this game, but yeah. just a, such a physical tackler and he just, he's great around the box, man. He really is a difference maker in that area for them. Uh, I'd I think like it's to see a big him, difference having I'd like back. to see him get blitzed more. I'd like to see him be yeah. that chess piece that gets used to go after the quarterback. I, listen, I don't want to throw too much shade Devin White's way, but what's the point of blitzing a guy who's going to consistently overrun a quarterback, especially when the quarterback is not terribly mobile, right? <laughs> I. <laughs> I I'm mean, you saying. obviously have to blitz Devin White because how else are you going to use him when he's on the field on passing downs? Right, you can't but, cover anyone. But I just, oh, I just, just slow down. You are so fast, dude. Yes. Mac Jones and Matt Ryan are not going to outrun you if you don't chase yourself out of the play. Yeah, Matt Clark, the good shout out to Ryan Suckup. Of course, forty-eight yard winner. Ryan I don't Suckup. think it was downpouring when he hit the winner, but Golston too. Golston deserves a shout out here too. Yes, yeah. Golston you know, had the sack, really three well. tackles, yeah. four loss. He, he, yeah. he, he played well. For sure. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, plenty more game balls to give out this season. Let's hope the Bucks are a little more deserving of them than they were tonight. Tough one, but they find a way to win 19 to 17 over the Patriots. Tomorrow we're live on the podcast 4 p.m. John, Make sure you're going back. Oh, yes. I think we've got a victory Monday tomorrow, don't we? We do have a victory Monday. Victory Monday go. podcast at 4 p.m. Yeah. tomorrow. It's going to be a fun today. one. Yeah. So victory Monday today. Sure, that's true. Yeah, today. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, so make sure you join us for that. And uh, yeah, definitely stay tuned to peterreport.com <laughs> because we got content going up all over the place. Richard says, Nick Folk finally won a game for us. Yes. Finally won a game. Oh, uh, yeah. Appreciate it. But yeah, so appreciate you all jumping in here with us late, late. We had a over 500 in here at one point i think uh just live with us at once so appreciate everybody jumping in here on the show always been a lot of fun with y'all always a lot of fun with y'all throughout the day on the pregame show and the live in-game stream as well lots to talk about and break down this week as the bucks roll into week five at three and one fun stuff good time to be a bucks fan even if today was a little bit of a nail biter we appreciate y'all we love y'all thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of the pewter report podcast out out